You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season, whether I was out west during my elk hunt, South Dakota mule deer hunt, or my rut vacation in Iowa, I was on my phone using Onyx Maps every part of the day, whether I was looking at terrain features uh, on the topographic and, and satellite maps that they offer on their uh, uh, on their app, or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands, or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position or from my truck to a tree stand location. I used Onyx Maps every single day, and I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map and uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before I had to wait till sun up and then and then you know find it that way but that problem does not exist anymore because of Onyx and uh, there's a ton of other features that I think you guys need to check out go to onyxmaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app Uh, download it to your phone give it a try and when you do decide to purchase enter the discount code nation 20 n-a-t-i-o-n two zero and for new users you're going to receive 20% off. So onyxmaps.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we are talking with returning guest Phil Coast, and uh, we are just continuing to talk about scouting. Uh, getting ready for the upcoming season. We're talking about tree stand locations. We're talking about access routes. We're talking about identifying sign. We're talking about a lot of the same things that, um, you know, other guys who have come on the podcast have talked about, but I am a firm believer that there is no right way to do things so the what I what I like to do is get as many opinions as humanly possible uh, and go from there because I feel like some of the other 
places they get content, they just talk to a quote unquote expert. That guy gives his opinion and that's supposed to be law. And I completely disagree with that. I think there's obviously more than one way to skin a cat and uh, especially deer hunt. So terrain matters. Uh, What state matters? What part of the country matters? You know, what your deer season is like? What the, you know, do you get snow? Do you not get snow? All that stuff matters. And it's hard for one guy, in my opinion, to talk about that as if it's law. So um, I like to get a, a variety of different point of views because I think when you can sit here and listen to multiple point of views from multiple areas, from multiple deer densities, uh, times of rut change, um, precipitation, temperature, all that stuff changes from the north to the south, from the east to the west. And if the more information that you can get, even if it's different from your hunting scenario, I actually think it makes you a better hunter knowing that and being able to, you know, have some of that information in your memory bank to maybe when the guy from the south is talking about, you know, hey, how hot it is during his rut and you run into a rut and you're in Ohio or Michigan that might be a week of really warm weather or you know a dead period or whatever you might be able to you know go oh my god this guy talked about that maybe i'm going to give this a try or maybe a guy from the midwest midwest did this oh maybe a guy from the northeast did this and you can just learn right and i think uh, knowledge is power and uh, the more power you have the better you're going to be able to go out into the woods and really take advantage of that power so that's just me getting on a soapbox but uh we talk about scouting today and i just want to say real quick before we get into this episode i i'm still on cloud nine to be honest with you i went to the iowa deer classic this weekend and i walked around for a little bit i talked with some friends um you know i was going to go talk to some other people but they were in booths uh, and they were really busy So I didn't want to bother them. I went and I looked at all the deer mounts. You know, I got my candy-covered peanuts. I got some jerky. Um, I said to myself, man, do I want to drink a a beer or not? I decided not to drink a beer. I decided to leave the show early and go home to spend some time with the family. It was a nice day in Iowa. I get home and no one's at the house. So my wife is like, Well, I took the kids over to a friend's house and we're going to play, have a little play date over there. And I said, okay. So the first thing that crossed my mind was maybe I should take a nap. Let me take a nap. The second thing that crossed my mind was, dude, you should go shed hunting. So what did I do? I got in my truck. I drove to a farm that I have permission to hunt. It's like, it's just a hundred acres. It lays real funny. Uh, It's borders some uh, public here in Iowa and uh, I walk I park my truck walk through one field down to this little creek crossing uh, walk up through a bedding area no sheds pop my head into this secluded bean field find a little dink side right on the field edge I look up and I see a shed right in front of me at about 80 yards I mean this is if you miss this you're probably blind to be honest with you anybody my kids could have went out and found it I crest over the hit, uh, hill and I find four more sheds. So I found f- four or five, five sheds in this one field 
in, all in about a matter of 30 minutes just walking around and I was just blown away and they're all really good sides one's potentially a, a match set I'm not uh, real sure if I uh, um, if it's a match set there are some characteristic differences but uh, it, I mean you ho you look at them from 10 steps back and they look like they could be a match set but we're talking about like a uh, 135 140 class 10 pointer and then this it's it's nothing really huge as far as time length is concerned but I found a four point side that is just massed out just huge I would say a couple five inch mass measurements uh, so I was pretty jacked walking up there and I was just acting like a little kid because this shed season's been tough last shed season's been tough down on my main farm uh, after they pick the crops, they turn the field over instantly. So all the food and loose uh, grain got buried and uh, deer haven't been visiting the food sources like they usually do. Well, because they're not a food source. So I came back up to where I uh, live, which is about an hour north, and uh, just decided to walk this farm that I have permission to hunt. And sure enough, I had one of the best shed hunting days of my life. And I, I felt great. But at the same time, I wanted my kids to be there because that's that's the kind of day you want to share with somebody, right? Unfortunately, my kids were gone, so I took advantage of it. And sure enough, uh, uh, I hit the jackpot, so to speak. But then, uh, today is Sunday when I'm recording this. Then it was another great day in Iowa. So we took the kids out on another shed hunt, me, my wife, and my three kids. And uh, I knocked on two doors real close to my house and luckily you know they had uh, other people who uh, hunt it but I said hey I, all I want to do I have a two-year-old we're not going to spend a ton of time out there I got a four-year-old all we want to do is walk around your field edges and your grass strips and look for sheds now we didn't find any per se but two of the smaller sheds that I found the day before I took out and threw and uh, I, you know, the kids each got to find a couple sheds and that really made them happy. And they were really looking my son. Oh my God. When my son finds a shed, he, dad, dad, I'm, I'm a good shed hunter, right? I'm like, buddy, you're a real good shed hunter. I couldn't even find those. And it's an absolute blast getting to go out and uh, see them excited about something that I'm excited about. So for selfish reasons, I am, you know, I'm excited that they are. Uh, unfortunately, there was no other sheds out there uh, to be found, but we saw a lot of deer tracks, right? We, we pointed out the obvious. We pointed out the deer tracks. We pointed out the poop. We pointed out, oh, hey, look, there's a coyote poop. And I had to point out the coyote poop, and I pointed out what the deer tracks and the buck tracks versus the doe tracks look like, all that stuff. They get a kick out of that. And, and my son and my daughter are like, Dad, Dad, come over here quick. We got it. Look at this track. I'm like, oh, buddy, what you know? What ways it's go? What ways it going? We gotta follow it, and then we follow it for a while, and then they get distracted. Now, here's the cool thing, right? You know, they see me talk about tines and trash, right? And I showed the picture the other day of me picking up some trash along the way as I'm doing my shed hunting, and they asked, Dad, why are you picking up trash? And I go, Well, we gotta help Mother Earth. You know, we gotta make sure she's clean, and we pick up the litter and all that stuff. So today, when we did our family uh, shed hunting trip, she, the first thing that she said to me as we get off the truck is, Dad, 
I'm going to do a good deed today and I'm going to pick up some trash if, uh, if we find it. And she got so jacked up about finding trash and picking it up just equally as jacked as finding those little sheds that I threw out. So I don't know. That was, I guess, one of those proud father moments where the lessons that you are teaching them are getting absorbed and it's all working out. So, uh, uh, I'm pretty jacked about that, but all right, so that's a big, long introduction. We, get, we do have to do a commercial, and it is with Prime Archery. Uh, so the last two seasons, I've, I've shot the Logic. I shot the uh, original Logic. Uh, let's see, it would have been two years ago. This past year, I shot the CT3, 33-inch uh, axle-to-axle. I'm telling you, both of those bows have really good draw cycles. I'm a huge fan of the Prime draw cycle. Um, if you want to say forgiveness is a thing or not, uh, you know, depends on who you talk to, forgiveness this, forgiveness that. But if you want to talk about forgiveness, the dual cam setup that these guys have uh, is a winner when you're talking about forgiveness. And dead in the hand, you know, upon release. So that just tells you, you know, we talk about this all the time, the efficiency level, right? The less hand, the less hand shock or vibration means the more efficient the bow is, and that's driving the arrow at a faster, more, you know, efficient speed right out of the gate. You're not losing any energy. It's all being delivered to the arrow. And, uh, that's a good thing, right? And I've experienced both of those things with prime. Uh, so what I say is there's a thousand different bows out there, but I would strongly suggest finding a, uh, a prime. So when you're, when you're looking for, you know, your next, next bow purchase, you need to at least go and test a prime out and shoot one, man, their new black series looks badass. I mean, I shot it at the ATA show this year. Excellent bow, excellent bow. I'm a big fan of the shorter axle to axles personally, but uh, I know guys who like the longer axle to axles, shoot them, make up your mind, then, then, then make, you know, make your decision. So uh, primearchery.com is where you can find out all the information and uh, their entire lineup. All right, we've done the commercial. I've jib jabbed, I've jibber jabbered too much. Let's get into today's episode about scouting with Phil Coast. All right, on the phone with me right now, returning guest, Mr. Phil Coast. Phil, how you doing, man? Doing great, Dan. How about yourself? Can't complain, man. I tell you what, I went out and put. I uh, put about mm, eight hours of shed hunting in on Saturday, and uh, me and my stepbrother, between the both of us, we found two, or excuse me, we found four sheds. He found two, I found two. Not what I really wanted, but it's better than uh, a day of getting skunked. Oh, heck yeah, every time. Every time. We yeah. found, we went out yesterday, me and a good buddy of mine and his uh, stepson, and we found two total. So yeah. another way in about three and a half hours, four hours. Right, right. And uh, today we're going to kind of BS a little bit about every everything, but I think the main focus is going to be about scouting because uh, you were on the podcast in December and you talked about getting access to a new farm and not necessarily having the time to scout it. And then you, and then you ran into some good deer on that farm, but you wanted to get to, uh, you know, you wanted to get, a little bit better inside of how the farm lays through scouting. And we're going to talk about that, but you know, it's that time of year where everybody wants to get outside and everybody wants to, to shed hunt. 
Let me ask you this question right off the bat. Do you feel that finding a shed in a particular place has ever allowed you to know more about a specific buck's core area or travel patterns? Mm, Yes and no. Um, I feel like it really helps you understand where they are late season. But as far as when we're actually hunting them, I have never found a shed from a buck that I've seen during deer season um, in the area that I was seeing him in. Now, I have found sheds from bucks that I have pictures of, but they were on either, A, the neighbor's farm um, that I had permission to walk but not permission to hunt, you know, and that that was really the only time, to be honest. Yeah. So it it's good to know that they're alive. It's good to know that they're in a specific uh um place, I guess. They're they're close, but they're not dead, right? It's, it's pretty much the Very, yeah. Okay. And that's yeah. the, that's the thing that I try, you know, I try to justify um and it, I tell you what, I've only made a decision based off of where I found an antler I guess one time. I and it was, you know, as far as a hunting strategy is concerned, I found a shed, I got a trail camera picture, um, and I set my tree stand up one day right in between where, you know, if you draw a line to where the trail camera picture of him and where I got, uh, where I found his shed, my tree stand uh, location was right in the middle in a terrain feature. And it was one of these, uh, there's a good terrain feature there. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to set up in there and see what happens. And, and yeah, luckily, and I say luckily because, you know, I mean, it's, it's a good place that deer moved through, but I didn't know that deer was there. And I figured if he's going to be, you know, if he's going to be somewhere, it might be right in between of where, you know, where he's at. And, and, you know, so luck had it and it it ended up paying off, but, um, it's, uh, this, this time of year, I think, you know, especially after shotgun season uh, or rifle season, depending on what state you're in, they get pushed all over the place and then they stick to where the food is at. And then as it starts to green up in the spring, they may rebound back into certain areas where they summer and stay throughout the, you know, the early fall, if that makes sense. What's, what's your experience with that? Um, I agree. I mean, we have a pretty long modern firearm season here in southern indiana and then it goes into muzzleloader season which i don't feel like we have as many hunters during muzzleloader season so the pressure does back off a little bit right there but they do they do switch they switch there's around mid to late december they really start switching to bed to food bed to food bed to food gotcha. so that's really and that's where we end up picking up most of our sheds Okay. In those that time of year. So. Gotcha. All right. So, do you what's what do the deer do in your area? Uh, I mean, I know that in I have a heavily managed farm to the south of where I hunt. I got some a decent managed farm to the north and one to the west, but um, my farm isn't managed at all. Uh, and I feel like deer late season kind of disappear for a while. Uh, and then, like I said, they come back in the, in the spring. Do, do the areas that you hunt, have you found that the deer have a definite pattern uh, throughout, like an annual pattern as opposed to uh, just a, a, a bed to food pattern? 
yeah, as far as location, is that is that what you're referring to? Yeah, like where or, they like to stay just like an annual, hide? just like an annual pattern. Like they made this. You know, like for example, I had one buck where he's pretty predominant on the farm all summer long up until September, and then he disappears once his velvet comes off or, or, you know, a week after his velvet comes off. And then I don't see him again until, uh, December or even January. Yeah. Um, I'd say that's very similar to what happens here. I mean, we have a shed, um, I found two years ago of a real nice, what I thought to be a three-year-old, uh, 10 pointer. So I found one of his sides and then this year and nobody's ever seen that deer. Yeah. So, and then this year, we found his matching set, and he he was he was blown up. And but nobody ever sees that deer during deer season, so we can only assume he doesn't really hang around too much in that area. And a good uh, one of my best friends actually hunts that farm. Okay. So, so he's never seen that deer. I mean, we're guessing him. We scored the sheds, and they were one seventy four with a seventeen inch spread. So he's a noticeable deer. Typical noticeable deer yeah right he, very noticeable deer i mean if you saw that deer in the woods you're you're gonna go after him no no ands if or buts he's one of those deer if you saw him coming it's a no-brainer right and but we don't see him and you know he runs trail cameras on that property from around july all the way through deer season and we don't have one trail camera picture of him yeah but yet we've got his antlers of two seasons you know one from three one from five so obviously he is somewhere else during season, and that's the case too. Uh, another farm that I mainly shed hunt, and I've had the opportunity to hunt it a few times. The guy that runs trail camera pictures out there has pictures of really nice deer all year during the summer. He gets really excited, and then come deer season, he's not seeing those deer. Doesn't get trail camera pictures of them; they're not there. But then come late season, that's where I find all my sheds. So they definitely have a you know when they're feeding and they're their main focus is on food. Our deer like to go to the same general area that they summer in too. I feel like down here, that's my opinion. Yeah. You know, you see the majority of those deer that you're going to see in glass during the summertime when they're out there in the big soybean fields and you're glassing, you're like, Oh man, it's a nice group of bucks. The majority of the time, that's where we see those deer in the winter. I gotcha. All right. Yeah. Nobody's killing them. Yeah. So. It's, it's, you know, they're a deer's annual pattern really, intrigues me uh, because the I used to think and I still do I think that um, crop rotation here in Iowa plays a huge role in where what they do throughout a year where the does go where the you know it controls where the does go thus controlling where the rut kind of takes place uh, and where the deer bed up until the summer you know uh, through the summer when the ag starts to come out in the mid fall. So, uh, do you guys, does, do the, does the deer herd in Southern Indiana dictated like the, their movement or annual pattern sometimes dictated by, uh, crop rotation? Oh yeah. I, I completely agree with that. We didn't get a lot of, we had a lot more crop fields not get planted this year due to, heavy rains all spring and the majority of the summer. And so a lot of our fields got planted late, which I think affected a lot of the deer movement. Um, I have a farm in another part that the corn stood up a lot longer than it did. And I could not see, normally you'd see, you know, 10 to 15 deer sit. And I was lucky to see a deer 
on that farm this year because the corn stayed up way later. They weren't wanting to come into the woods for some reason. Um, I only hunted it on good wind. You know, I'm pretty scent cautious when it comes to that stuff. Right. And I just was not seeing the deer. We also had EHD did play a factor, but I was skunked more times this year than I have been in a long time. Probably since I first started hunting. Um, And you feel that stayed up longer. You feel that's because of the the shift in where egg made it into the field like certain crops just uh, didn't get planted thus when you know it came time for them i guess the the deer to feed in those they weren't there so they i guess went someplace else looking for food or stayed in the timber yes okay yes uh i think that was a big huge impact for a lot of people this year yeah i know it was there were some Iowa. people saying they were seeing deer after deer and you know, it's the best year season I've ever had. And then the same guy, you know, a guy not two properties over is like, I'm not seeing any deer. Right. And it was because so of it was, ag wasn't playing. It was a planted. bit of a shift this year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. So um, I want to talk about this this new farm that you that you have access to. Now, give us a little uh, update or remind us, because you just got permission on this particular farm last year, right? October of deer season. Our, our deer season kicks off October first. Okay, so, so walk us through yeah. walk us through that. How did you get access to it? Why did you get access to it? Um, walk us through that encounter and and why you didn't get the scouting done. And I have a feeling I know why, but um, about about the 2019 portion of this story. Well, we like I said, you know, we got hit with EHD pretty good in indiana probably the hardest since 2007 i'm sure some people would beg to differ but it was pretty bad and then we lost a couple shooters on the main farm i hunt so i decided i was just talking to a couple friends of mine i said you know i'm gonna go just knock on doors i haven't done that in a really long time i've been hunting the same farm so i'm gonna go knock on doors so i picked the first person i thought would actually tell me no so i could go ahead and get it out of the way right and move on to farms that I thought I really had a good chance. Well, the very first farm I stopped by was a gentleman down the street and knocked on the door. He came out and after a little bit of just chatting more than anything, uh, he agreed to let me hunt, uh, mainly during bow season and said, you know, just give me a call whenever you get there. Well, this was towards the end of October, like right when it's really starting to pick up, Yeah, you know, most people are really wanting to be in the woods and I'm just got permission to hunt this. You know, it's roughly 200 acres. He said I could only hunt to the left of the <clears throat> power line cut. And I said, that's perfectly fine with me. Uh, and I didn't want to dive in there. I'm looking at, because I have the Onyx hunt maps, and looking at it, I kind of knew the general areas in which I wanted to hunt. So my best bet in my mind was to grab my climbing tree stand, walk back where I wanted to go, find a decent tree with some good sign, hang it, get out, and, you know, either hang it and hunt or hang it and then come back and hunt when I was ready to hunt. And that's what I did. Picked a couple good spots. I just didn't want to dive in and go there, so I would hunt. And I was seeing some deer. I passed up during bow season, like first week of November. I passed up a decent 10-pointer back in that back area. And... That was actually the farm I had somebody take a, they stole the card out of my camera. Okay. So I, 
hide back there. And then so you really didn't know. You really didn't know what was running around on the farm, other than what you saw no, from the I tree stand. No, I did not. I mean, okay. I saw that one ten pointer, a few does, but the sign was really good. I mean, really good scrapes, really good rubs. I just didn't want to dive in because it's really thick back there. He had it logged probably 15 years ago. So there's areas that are super open, hardwoods, looks great. And then the rest of it looks like logged hardwoods. Yep. So it's very thick, nasty, just good. Good, good, good cover. Area. Good cover. Very good cover. Very good cover. But I also live right on the Ohio River, so we have a lot of river blocks. Up and down steep train. Um, so I try to hunt the flats you know, good draws, pinch points. And uh, I was very, on the very back of the property on this pinch point to drop down and drop down on those river bluffs and hunted that during bow season, didn't have any luck. And then he said, well, the other guys that are hunting really aren't hunting up here. So if you want, you can hunt up here closer to the house during gun season. And so I moved my stand location, not 200 yards off his back porch. And that's where I found the majority of my deer sign, believe it or not, right off the backside of this grown-up, like, CRP field. Yeah. And that's where I switched, and that's where I ended up harvesting the buck I killed in muzzleloader season. Gotcha. Right there. Okay. All right. So I didn't, so, really, I didn't know really how the farm truly laid out besides what my app, you know, Onyx told me, but I just didn't want to go in there and take a chance of busting any deer out of there and pushing them over two ridges over to the neighbor's property. Right. So you had access to the farm. You decided to play it safe and not necessarily go and do a, a ton of scouting during the season. So you kind of hunted the you hunted the edges, threw some trail cameras up, uh, and just waited. You ended up harvesting yep. a good deer. Uh, so you know that the caliber of deer in the area is somewhat good based off of the you know, maybe some of your encounters on that farm and what you ended up harvesting. Now that Mm -hmm. the season is over and it's time, you know, all the vegetation is off. Are you planning to get back out into this new farm and put some boots on the ground to really feel the lay of the land? Oh, I did that as soon as season was out. Before they even started dropping antlers, I was out there looking. Okay. I was very curious as to what was going on on that farm and why I was seeing the deer come from where they were coming from because it was extremely thick and it was two steep points. And I just really, I just had to know what was down there. (laughs) Right. All right. So what did you, what did you uh, end up finding when you went on these scouting missions? Well, it was, it's a very good hillside. Uh, When you drop down those points, it's a spring, spring-fed creek almost, and then you go down into this creek, and then it just flattens out, and there's little bowls, and we have a lot of sinkholes out here in Indiana, and a lot of good bowls, and around those bowls, very good thick cover. Um, he had a lot of log roads that were cut, but also open tulip poplar stands where it was very open, and there was just scrape after scrape on these log roads. The rubs were... A lot of rubs, a lot of scrapes, good trails, a lot of doe bedding. Um, and the, in the hardwoods, you you know how you get that tall grass in the hardwoods, like in the middle of the woods, all of a sudden you're seeing this yellow grass out there. 
Yeah. They had a lot of that on these hillsides. So those deer were going down into this ravine and bedding in those hillsides and on those flats where they could just hang out in the sunlight all day. And then they, in the evenings, they were coming back up those points to work those points to go out to the ag fields. Okay. And that's what I found really good spot that I'm planning on actually hunting. It's going to be my morning location. It's just a little bit of a walk to get to. So you're not bumping those deer out of there on your way in. Right. All right. So you've, you walk the property, you find the terrain, you see the sign, you find where you feel that they are, are bedding and you've identified a couple tree stand locations. You know, we always talk, we always talk here about access is probably equally to just as important as the tree stand location itself. Once you, once you found those, uh, tree stand locations, how did you reverse engineer your access routes to get, you know, put the the plan together in your head on how you're going to get in there and what wind directions and, you know, and was it going to be a morning hunt versus an evening hunt and how many stand locations did you say you would, you have found on this property? I found three really good stand locations and I don't, I'm, I'm one of those people that I like to only put a cup, two to three stands on a property at most. I don't want a whole bunch of stands because I feel like if they're there and I put a stand for every wind, I'm going to hunt it, especially if I end up getting on a deer that I obsess over, which I've had that problem in the past. Yeah. Um, I'll hunt him any chance I get any, you know, as long as I have a stand for the wind. Um, but on this, I've changed that up a little bit. So I, I've got two or three sand locations, and as long as I have any type of westerly wind, I can approach it from the east, and there's two log road accesses that's split off that's going to make it really quiet for me to actually get in, but I have to have some type of westerly wind, preferably a west-southwest wind on my approach. But any westerly wind while I'm hunting, I feel like with the hillside at my back and the power line cut at my back, any of those deer coming out of those ag fields or coming up from those river bottoms shouldn't win me. Okay. So So that's that's my game plan. Gotcha. I'll let you know how it works comes October. <laughs> uh <laughs> so you got you got three, right? I mean are all yes. are all of these stands stand locations that are could be hunting morning or evening or are a couple of them specific to morning or evening? Uh, two of them I'm going to have specific to morning, and the other one's going to be morning or evening. Okay. Mainly evening. Okay. And do you feel that, uh, um, so what what wind directions do you need in order to hunt those this property? Is there is there a predominant wind direction that's just good or great, or if you have this kind of wind, it sucks and you can't hunt it? Anything east, I will not be able to hunt that farm. Okay. Anything east, which? Anything easterly. Anything easterly, I will not be able to hunt that farm. The evening stand location, I'm planning on hunting on the northwest. Northwest will be perfect. Okay. Um, that'll be one of those winds that it'll be, I, I would say impossible, but it's not impossible because deer can come from any direction because they're ornery. And, um, but northwest, it'll be really really difficult for them where i think they're coming from and from what i've seen and where i know they're betting on this property it'll be hard for them to win me okay now they can skirt me and stay out of range especially with a bow um 
they'll be able to stay out of range. And then the other two stands in the morning, I really need a direct west or west-southwest wind to really limit something, you know, especially mature buck being able to win me. But anything westerly, I should be okay. Okay. So, but anything easterly, you can't hunt that farm. I've only, I only have actually two farms I can even hunt on an easterly wind. Okay. All right. So it's limited. I mean, north and south really doesn't matter as long as it's not east, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. North and north would be north's perfect for most of it. South, south would get iffy. If it's a straight south wind or south southwest, I won't hunt those two morning stands. It's it's too if it's too cutting that line where they're that pinch point is. It's just cutting the line too much. Right now, is this property a a square? Is it a rectangle? Is it like an L? How how does it lay? It's very jagged. Actually, it's got. A lot of the property lines have a lot of L shapes in them. Um, one section of the property has like an H shape almost. Okay. So, but squared, I guess, is the best best way to describe it. Okay. All right. So, in the past, when you've went out and you've done the same thing that you've done now, how close have you been to finding? You know, we we go and we do our postseason scouting, right? We find an area. Yeah. And we say, okay, well, the terrain makes sense that the deer will do this, and here's edge, and here's, um, you know, a food source, and here's a terrain feature or whatever. How close have you been over the years to walking into a piece, scouting it, saying, I need to get a tree stand location here? And, you know, the perfect scenario is, hey, you you walk in, you set your tree stand up, and you don't have to adjust at all. You, you just find where they move. And then the other option is, okay, we've started off in a good area. You know, through scouting, we've, we've identified the good area, but we need to adjust our tree stand a little bit more to get to where they're actually moving. How close have you gotten uh, throughout the years, or have you, do you feel that you've gotten better at scouting Um where you're you have to do less adjustment during the season um it depends on the deer i hunted one particular deer for a few years and i would get closer and closer and closer and then the neighbor ended up getting him. but i've gotten better throughout the years at picking locations and being on the deer to where they're in range i don't have to really make any adjustments um but I try to stay mobile as much as possible. I really like hang-on stands because they're quick to disassemble, quick to reassemble, get back up in the tree, um, climbers as well. But I try to get as close as I can to where I think the deer are going to be. I don't try to set up observation stands unless it's like the situation I had this year where I've never hunted the farm. I don't really want to pressure it. To scout it i'd rather just set up where i think okay the deer should be in this area let's find a good good spot set up and see if i can tell what they're doing yeah but usually if it's a farm that i've had permission to hunt i've already been tweaking those sand locations this is the first this is a new farm i just obtained and usually i mean over the past shoot i mean 10 years i've hunted more or less the same two or three farms yeah so I've gotten a lot better at getting those stands where I want them. But it does seem the longer you keep a stand in the location, 
the further those deer will go out of their way to get around where that sand is. It's almost like they know you've been there, and so they start skirting you. Yeah. They start going around you or picking a lower part on the hill where you can't really see them. Yeah. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you what, I got a, I got a farm uh, that I hunt where I share it with a couple other hunters and they have had their stairs or their, their tree stands there for several years. And it almost works to my benefit to where with me being mobile, <laughs> I'm able to flank their positions further, you know, 200 yards down, not necessarily, and I'm not right on top of them, but the deer have grown accustomed to their tree stand being there and they just don't come close to it anymore they even whether whether they're in it or not they've identified that that area can be a little sketchy so they just work their way further around it and oh yeah it's uh it's awesome when uh you can see that when a guy who's a little bit mobile can see that and then flank their position and set up and um, i've had some pretty awesome encounters uh in the years doing that and uh, which is, like you just said, another reason to maybe take your tree stand down at the end of the season or, um, you know, let the deer get back to being comfortable and make them feel like they're in that area all by themselves and there's no pressure. Even if it's just something as simple as a tree stand in the location, I really do, I really do think that even a tree stand in a tree that's been there for 20 years. I feel like they notice that still. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's, and I've noticed that more over the past probably three years, paid more attention to that than I have throughout my whole hunting career. I mean, I'm only 33, so it's, but I've been hunting since I was 10. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're out of that like almost freshman year phase that lasts for about 10 to 20 something. And then you start to really pick up everything. Yeah. And it, Especially, I've noticed it also in some walking some properties with my friends, you know, when they're like, man, I didn't see any deer this year, and we're scouting that farm, or we're looking for sheds, or we're doing postseason scouting. And I'm like, well, do you not notice this big, huge trail that used to go over left right by your stand? Now it goes right around this hill. So how about we move your stand further closer to the edge of the hill on this side of the hill instead of that side of the hill, and let's see what happens. So I've really been paying a lot more attention to that, just where our stands are, how long have they been up, we yeah. need to move them. We need to take them down, do maintenance on them. Just be more cautious with everything. Right, right. So over the years, and especially this year, where you have this new farm, you've you've already gone in and scouted. Um, do you feel like you're going to go in and scout a second time on this property or go in and shed hunt it again to get even a better idea? Or do you think you, you've done enough in there already? Um, I, I'm going to go back in there probably one or two more times this year and really identify which trees I want. And then that way I can go ahead and get some, maybe my shooting lanes trimmed out a little bit because in the green up when, with it being as thick as it is back there, I'd like to have those stands, stand locations as tuned as I can. That way, whenever, you know, when I go hang my stands in August, or, you know, August, first part of September, whenever I decide to put them up or get time to put them up, I want it to be as in and out as possible because right. I feel that those deer summering or wintering over there, there's not a whole lot of food close proximity. You know, it's a couple miles, mile away. Um, so I'd like to get those stand locations tweaked before 
August, September come. But I will probably do some light scouting in there August, September. Okay. Is that when you uh, go and set your tree stands up is in that August, September time frame? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever Hot. do you ever give <laughs> the uh, the the woods some time to just stop because i i used to live back before i had kids and now i do it whenever i can but if i had my way i would not i would try to get all my tree stand maintenance tree stand set up before september 1st that way the entire month of september i am not putting any pressure on the woods at all before the season opener october 1st yeah, and that's why I try to put them in there August, September. Gotcha. When I say September, I'm talking the first week or two of September because yeah. I do hunt in the state of Kentucky every now and then, um, depending on if I'm hunting public or if I gain access to a private piece of land. I do try to hunt Kentucky first part of September because they are gracious enough to allow bow hunters the opportunity to harvest full velvet deer. You know, you have that yep. small window in there to get a full velvet whitetail. Yep. And... So I try to hunt a little bit in Kentucky the first part of September. So I try to have all my stands up ready to go by the end of August. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's, and then that way I'm not in there stinking the place up because I sweat a lot and I don't want to go in there September 30th and trying to hang a tree stand and then get in there and hunt it October 1st. When right. It's obviously going to smell horrible in there. Yeah. What do you got for? Uh, do you have any trees or trail cameras out right now collecting data? I just pulled one off that new farm. I got permission. Uh, I just pulled it last week. Okay. So, no, all of our trail cams, we just pulled that camera, and then the other farm I, I hunt with a friend of mine, we we saw the camera out there, but all of our shooters have dropped. Gotcha. So we're not really paying a whole lot of attention to it right now. Okay. So so we've got two cameras out, a couple cameras out. But when you say all your shooters, you're talking about all your hitless deer have, have shed their antlers. Mm-hmm. All right. So you've all, in yes, that in have. that one year, you've had the opportunity to identify, uh, you know, on that 200 acres, the all the shooters. You feel? Um, uh, no, not on that farm. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. sorry. I've I bounced around a little bit there. No, this is a, this is another farm. A friend of mine, um, their family bought and he's just gotten into deer hunting a couple of years, two or three years ago. And he chased a particular buck all season. And we actually captured him on trail camera and have had him on trail camera since season ended. And he is a really good looking deer and we're going to be, we've been looking for his sheds for a week and a half now. Can't find them. Okay. So, but no, this other farm, actually it was very disheartening on this new 200 acres. I put the camera out because you can supplemental feed in Indiana. You just can't hunt over it. Right. So, um, you're not supposed to have just to alleviate any issues. You just really shouldn't have it out during season period. But as soon as season's over, I start feeding them. Um, try to help them get healthy, and then that's when I inventory of who made it, who didn't make it. Yeah. Um, but I did not have. This is the first time anybody's ever fed on that farm, though. Too, nobody's ever fed on this farm. So these deer, I guess, just I put it. I didn't put it in the best location. I don't know if you've ever done that or not. You put a. I don't know if you can feed in Iowa or not, but if uh, you know, we put out feed. And sometimes I'll put out feed in one spot and I don't get a lot of pictures, but I move that food pile a hundred yards 
east or 100 yards west, and I'm getting a thousand pixels a week. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't want to adjust and do too much out there. Um, not sure how the farmer or the landowner felt about me feeding. Um, he said I could, so I just didn't want to overdo it. I'm yeah, very skittish. I don't want to lose the property. Right. So we just put out that one pile, and I had a couple hundred and twenty inch eight pointers. Um, and a bunch of six pointers, spike bucks. Yeah, you know those little bitty year and a half old fellers. Um, bunch of them on camera, and then they've all since dropped. And then that's why I pulled the camera because I wasn't getting any mature bucks that I was hoping to target. Yeah, I gotcha. All right. So, uh, do you feel like right now? How do you feel? You know, the season basically just ended. We're getting in here to March. How do you feel about the deer population or the the quality of deer that you're hunting for this upcoming season? You feel you feel good about that? I do. Um, one of the farms I shed hunt that we find the majority of the majority of our sheds the way the bird flies is only a half a mile. Well, the way the bird flies is only a half a mile, but if you're having to walk it, it's quite a few ravines over. Um, we we found quite a few nice sheds out there. So that's that being the big uh, ten pointer I was telling you about. So there's the opportunity on this particular farm right down the street from my house that I feel that I could possibly do what I did this year again. Yeah. And harvest a nice mature buck if I focus my time, get get the cameras out there and really pinpoint what's going on. Yeah. on this particular farm I'm, and they're I'm close hopeful. yeah they're very close they're close they're close enough and then there's a lot of farms that are on the bottoms that we know the people that own them and they manage them strictly for big bucks yeah yeah which so I'm the closer you live to a farm yeah the closer you live to a farm the, the more opportunity you have to hunt it well kind of i would say that i have a farm that's a 10 minute drive from where I, from my house that i even even it, though it's close, I don't get the opportunity to go out and hunt it just because I have a crazy family and, you know, schedule and work and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, all, and all that. So you got, any, yeah. you got any kids? Uh, my girlfriend and her uh, four-year-old son, Easton, live with me. And oh, that's I right. I have Easton all the time. Actually, once we get done with our uh, phone call here, I'm going to head over to go get him, and me and him are going to go get dinner. Oh, nice. Perfect. So, Perfect. yeah, I have him all the time. Uh He's obsessed with, he calls them big old buck deer. Big old buck deer. Buck <laughs> oh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, he uh, he keeps me busy, that's for sure. I love the little guy. Well, that's that's a good thing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's obsessed with deer antlers. Every time I find one, I bring one home. And he's, I think he's more jacked about it than I am. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, man, yeah. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and chat uh, chat with us and uh hopefully the rest of your scouting goes well hopefully that this upcoming season you know the deer that you're chasing blow up even more and uh you you really do figure that farm out and i think i don't know about you but that is the best i mean like for me i enjoy figuring out a farm and playing that chess match just as much as i do the you know the actually killing of the animal oh yeah, that's hunting in general is my favorite. I mean, killing, you know, harvesting a big buck is great. But, I mean, 
I hunted the same deer for four years, and it was that deer had me more obsessed over whitetail hunting than any right. any time any time in my career. And this past year was the complete polar opposite. I was just hunting to hunt for the first time in years. And I'm really excited about finding a deer that I can obsess over and hunting that deer again, because that's really what I'm, I'm wanting to do this year is really focus on one deer. Um, I'm actually going to go try to purchase me some of those cell cameras and put on that farm because it's so close um, and see if that'll help. I've never used one, so I'm going to see if that'll help any and just really hope to get on one and chase him down and see how it, see how it plays out. Amen. Amen. Well, good luck, Phil. Hopefully uh, you have a successful season, and uh, keep us posted. Yeah, you as well, Dan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on today. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout-out to Phil, man. Really appreciate your time. Huge shout-out to all of you for taking time out of your day to download and listen. Happy Monday. Hopefully it doesn't suck if you're in a factory or driving a car or you're doing something that you don't necessarily love. Um, Trust me, man, I've been there before. And all I got to say is nature can make you happy. So if you're feeling down, get outside and breathe some fresh air and go for a walk and look at nature. It'll, uh, It'll change your tone. So there's my little words of wisdom. Huge shout out to all of the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, the Average Conservationist Apparel Line, Prime Archery, Ozonics, Scent Elimination, Wasp Broadheads, Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, and of course our title sponsor, Vortex Optics. Um, I'll tell you what, guys, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because without them, this isn't possible. Please go and check out the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel because I'm getting ready to unload some more whiteboard whitetails episodes on there as well. And uh, hopefully those get you a little bit of knowledge as well. I think that's it. I'm tired. It's like 11 at night. I'm just closing this up. And hopefully everybody has a good day. Get outside, enjoy Mother Nature. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy Mother Nature, and uh, take your kids out. If, if you got it, if you got a kid, man, shut the TV off, take the tablet away, smash the phone with a hammer, <laughs> get them outside, get them dirty, and uh, man, just turn them into a participant. Other than that, you guys have a great one, and we'll talk to you next time.